Welcome to the next podcast episode from the ITAM Forum and the ITAM Review. In this episode, Martin Thompson speaks with James Hatcher from Landsweeper about the value ITAM brings to InfoSecurity and the Safe House project. Let's start the episode. So, James, thank you very much for joining me on this podcast. Um, we were chatting at the Australian conference in. Um, what would that have been? That's Melbourne in uh, November 2023. We're recording this in January 2024. Um, and we were having a really good chat around um, ITAM's relationship with security. And I, I thought it'd be really interesting to get you on the podcast and, and pick your brains, basically. So thank you for that, James. Could you could we start with you, James? What What's your background? And uh, uh, tell us about yourself. Uh, absolutely. And, and thank you, Martin. I've been a member of the ITAM forum for several years now. And uh, yeah, I, I appreciate what the forum does and, and I'm happy to assist. Um, I'm originally from the States. Um, I went out to Asia when I was 21, got offered a job in Taiwan, spent most of my career working internationally, but always in the IT field. Um, started off in hardware and then later software and then back to hardware and back to software again. So um, I've been actively involved with HAM, SAM and all of ITAM through my whole career. Uh, you know, one of the first things that I came up against compliance was actually when I was working with uh, Motorola Six Sigma engineers. We were looking at deploying RFID tracking systems in, in their factories in Asia. And it's all about efficiency, uh, optimization, compliance, and compliance and compliance. So um, it, that's, that's where my, my grounding in the industry comes from. And uh, I do work for a company, Landsweeper, you asked me to mention, you know, we do asset discovery. And so I'm working with customers in all industries about how do we find the assets? Uh, the, you know, the, there's the, the tired, tried, well-tried saying of what you don't know, you can't manage. And of course, now in today's scenario with cybersecurity, what you don't know, you can't protect. And so that's that's really what the theme is about, and that's where you and I started having a very good conversation. So I, I um, for those that don't know or maybe haven't connected with Landsweeper for a while, it'd be interesting. What, what I think you guys are doing is really cool things in the ITAM space, and and as the name suggests, you have some your heritage right is in almost like a utility for sysadmins. In fact, I think your founder was a sysadmin of some description, if I remember correctly, and it's evolved into a lot more than that. So. What, could you maybe give a, a steer in terms of what does Landsweeper do today and, and what's what's your where's your focus? Um, absolutely. And again, I, I don't want this to be a sales pitch, um, but, you know, Landsweeper started 20 years ago. It was an IT asset manager who got fed up with Excel spreadsheets. He wrote the app, he put it up as a freeware and it turned into a business. So 20 years ago, there were just LANs. Now, of course, we've got WANs, SD-WANs, VLANs, et cetera. Um, and it's evolved into discovering anything and everything that touches your network. And that's really what you need nowadays. You need to know where the hardware is. You need to know what the hardware is that's on your network. You need to know what's the software on the hardware, but you also need to know what's in your cloud and you know what's the virtual machine in your cloud and what's the software on that virtual machine. Um, only then can you really have good visibility of your true asset inventory and start to be able to manage it efficiently, right? And we were we were speaking at, in um, Melbourne around um, security operations, 
And the fact that ITAM can bring a lot of value to that team. Um, and, you know, you know, one of the core messages of, of ITAM and best practice and evolving your practice is once you've got your compliance, you know, maybe you've got your money saving and your uh, compliance issues started to be underway, then uh, you can look at enterprise integration and spreading this ITAM data to other departments. And, and security is absolutely key and top of the list of that. So, mate, could you maybe, can we look at what, I'd love to know your view of what do security operations do um, right now and, and what's on their plate, what's typically on their plate and how can ITAM potentially help with that? Uh, absolutely. Uh, and, and as you know, you know, ITAM uh, are, are the unsung heroes in an organization. Uh, I, I, I kind of equate ITAM to the plumbing. Uh, as long as it's working, nobody notices you. But, you know, the minute the sink backs up or the toilet backs up, then uh, everybody's screaming and everybody's looking for the plumber. So, uh, you know, very much, as long as the organization's running smoothly, everyone's laptop works, the, the Wi-Fi isn't laggy, et cetera, et cetera, no, nobody thinks about the ITAM guys. Uh, the minute that uh, your, your SaaS platform isn't working or somebody can't log in, then, you know, panic, uh, chaos, et cetera. So, um, Kind of what happened was, you know, ITAM's been around for for a long time, and it is embedded in organizations. Uh, it's typically under the CIO or the CTO. Then all of a sudden, this cybersecurity, oh, we've got risk. We have to worry about, uh, you know, getting hacked or somebody clicking the wrong button. Um, what happened was, like most new industries, they set it up as a separate silo. They said, okay, we can't have the CIO or the CTO influencing cybersecurity or security operations because we can't afford to cut corners. We can't have you know, someone from the, from the tech stack say, oh, yeah, don't worry about that. That part's okay. So CISOs were set up at arm's length as independent operations, and they built independent security operations teams to make sure that there wasn't any you know, gray areas or possible influencing of their evaluation of the security profile of an organization. So um, is that kind of valid? Is that kind of like an internal audit? It's like a bit independent so as to give a bit more integrity to the whole operation? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I mean, any of you who work in, in an organization of the size to have security operations know that they work independently. They are very siloed. And absolutely, in a new industry, in a new role, whatever, that's, that's a great way to start. But like any industry, any business, uh, any market, things after time, as they mature, they consolidate. And we're getting to that point of everybody knows what cybersecurity is. I actually talk about cybersecurity responsibility. And every individual in the company now has a responsibility. And yes, there is the human factor where don't click that button, you know, don't, don't, don't uh, open the phishing email. But in our jobs every day, if you're installing software, if you're using your laptop in whatever location, you still have a, a responsibility there that's operational in your day-to-day -day job, whatever you're doing, using the applications properly, um, making sure you flag up bugs because a bug could be for many different reasons. That, that comes down to compliance and responsibility, and it, it's part of cybersecurity as well. Um, so along that line, 
what I've been talking about, and I actually brought this up a year ago at the ITAM forum in Sydney, was ITAM and security operations need to collaborate more. It's time for consolidation. And the, the, the challenge that I see on a daily basis is security ops, the SecOps team is trying to do asset discovery. They're trying to find every bit of hardware and every bit of software. And they install asset discovery tools to try to do that in their silo. But guess what? ITAM's already doing that. It, it's, it's, it's part of their daily responsibility to track every bit of hardware and every bit of software in the organization as part of compliance, as part of ISO 19770, et cetera. So rather than reinventing the wheel, which is you know, what you do when you need to be siloed in the beginning, as part of this uh, better cybersecurity responsibility as an organization, let's start to break down some of those walls. Let's leverage the value and the, the just the knowledge, you know, the years and years of knowledge that the ITAM guys have built up within the organization. Right. And going back to your point around the um, CISO being like independent and needing its own, you know, it needs to be independent of 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 the leadership in order to have that sort of audit role. Um, how how should we present this item data in that light? Because they're going to have a scepticism over anyone else's data, really, aren't they? Or they should have. Uh, yeah, potentially, and and that comes down to um, quality of data. Uh, you know, it um, Accenture did a, a study a few years back, and they said that a typical enterprise. Has anywhere, has anywhere from three to five different asset discovery tools across the organization. And that's the beginning of the problem right there. What is your source of truth? And what happens is if you're a company that uses a CMDB for any type of service desk, all that data gets dumped into the CMDB. What's right, what's wrong? So going back to the ITAM guys, to people, sorry, uh, who are you know seasoned veterans, at figuring this out and, and knowing what the truth is, they typically will have the best source of data. Where, however they acquire that or build that is, is uh, something to be reviewed. Um, the step one in cybersecurity of any cybersecurity uh, program, uh, there, there's a couple components here. They have something called STEAM, which is your security incident event management. So it's event management. It's monitoring the network. And when a machine goes crazy and starts sending data around or doing funny things, ooh, something's going on, it's suspicious. That then triggers a response. Now there's SOAR, which is the automated response. Nowadays there's also MDR and there's XDR, which is just kind of an integration of some of those pieces. But it's all about monitoring your, your infrastructure, monitoring your, your cloud solution as you know whatever you've got spun up in the cloud as well as what's on-prem, as well as your remote users who are VPNing into the company network. And if something goes funny, trigger uh, an alert, look at it, ring fence it, lock it down, stop any potential uh, malicious activity from spreading through the company. And the big thing is step one of that whole process is import your asset inventory. The reality is for a SecOps team, by the time they import that asset inventory, they've taken the four different data sets from the four different tools, tried to dedupe it in an Excel spreadsheet, and then import that into your Steam store or 
uh, XDR, et cetera, it's already obsolete. Your network topography changes potentially minute by minute, definitely hour by hour, and obviously day by day. So having a robust asset discovery capability that everyone agrees on is the best source of truth and integrating that into your cybersecurity platforms is known as best practice. And I literally, um, I will talk about this more later, but uh, talking to some people from North America around the State House Initiative, they come from uh, insurance. And they were specifically talking about cybersecurity insurance for an organization. And they have five key ticks that you have to go through. Um, if you have three or more, you can potentially reduce your cybersecurity premium by up to 50%. So having integrated asset discovery with Steam, Store, XDR, any of those platforms, ticks three of those boxes right there, you can, you can cut your premium by 50%. So this huge impact. And ITAM, they've got the gold. They know where the assets live. They know where those loaner laptops are that sit in the cupboard and only come out when one breaks or when, when a, uh, a new staff joins, et cetera. They know when those need to be patched and updated, reactivated, all, this, all these kind of uh, implications um, that, that are part of what cybersecurity responsibility needs to include. Can we go back, James, just to something you mentioned about deduping? Um, so an ITAM best practice is to say, let's take a different couple of different data feeds. Um, you know, one, one might be a, an individual tool like, like a land sweeper. One might be uh, a configuration management thing like SCCM or configuration manager or something. And one might be another source. And it's, it's comparing those to strengthen all three of them potentially. It's, it's to, so, so I, I assume that's a similar practice in security. So we really should be banging heads together on this, shouldn't we? Um, yes, potentially, but uh, I will say that one of the things yeah, with our particular tool, um, we scan SDCM, we scan Active Directory, we scan Office 365. So any of those repositories of asset data, a good discovery tool will be already um, bringing that data in and normalizing it. Uh, you know, the great example is a firewall. Firewall has five MAC addresses and five IP addresses, but a good discovery tool will normalize that and say, we know it's one firewall, and here's five MAC addresses and five IP addresses that relate to that particular asset. Uh, same thing for software. You know, software normalization is huge, and there, there's quite a few tools out there. Landsweeper does that as well. Uh, being able to look at a sane view of what you have, then, yes, if you want to compare that to another tool that's in, in you know, the... Um, best of class category, you may find a small delta, but it's it's much more mature nowadays than it was even five years ago. So you mentioned uh, software there, um, and we've, you know, there, there might be a perception that um, ITAM just deals with hardware because, it, you know, they're, they're doing inventory, or they might be just be doing software because a lot of focus is put on software licensing, Where's the focus here in terms of the opportunity for security? Uh, it's uh, well, and that's that again. That's why I think ITAM is is the missing piece in the cybersecurity equation, because cybersecurity is worried about everything. Um, the, it, 
A great example is uh, Windows 11. Uh, so Microsoft has announced that um, if you don't upgrade to Windows 11, you're going to have to start paying for Windows 10 support. So that is a critical event. And ITAM's worried about it because one of you know life cycle, uh, what machines do I have? What do I have that's running an i3 CPU that I, because the hardware isn't capable of supporting Windows 11, I can't just upgrade the software. I have to upgrade the hardware or I have to replace that asset with, with a different platform to be able to run the next generation of software. That, that you know, anything that goes end of life, there's no more support, which means no more patches. So if there is a vulnerability found on a piece of software, you have to patch it. ITAM guys are, you know, they own patching. That's, that's a huge part of the job, whether it's the uh, updating the BIOS or, you know, patching the software, making sure the antivirus is, is updating regularly. Those are all daily operational things that are actually directly related to cybersecurity. So um, cybersecurity is worried about the software as much as they are the hardware. They're worried about your SaaS platform. They're worried about you logging into um, your whatever systems online um, because, you know, password, there, there's the mother of all uh, data hacks that just came out with, you know, 12 million plus user information that's out there. Um, they have to worry about that. But on the other side, they need to make sure that if someone does try to hack in using your ID, that they know all the assets that that ID is related to. Right. Good old, uh, good old Microsoft with their refreshes. Eh? It keeps the hardware business alive, doesn't it? Driving, driving uh, people mad with uh, hardware requirements for, for refreshes. So, um, Dave, it, before... it keeps many it keeps many businesses alive. Absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely. So, um, James, you mentioned before the call, we were talking about the um, Safe House initiative that you're working with. For people not familiar, can you just describe what is that uh, initiative and what's your involvement there? And why is this why is this relevant for this conversation today? Uh, absolutely. Um, so, you know, our initial discussion, we were talking about uh, the relationship between uh, ISO 27001 and ISO uh, 19770, which is ITAM. And that's how we, we got, went into all these other discussions. But uh, the Safe House Initiative is a nonprofit organization. They don't sell anything. Uh, it's a free resource. And really what they're trying to do is help to simplify what is going on in cybersecurity. Because there's so many small and me, me, uh, mid-sized companies out there that um, what do I do? I'm, you know, there's so much noise. Where do I go? Um, do I have to pay someone to, to figure this out? And so the Safe House initiative, initiative is to try to simplify that, that evaluation process, break it down into bite-sized pieces, provide a framework uh, and some DIY instructions, some building blocks of how to tackle cybersecurity responsibility, cybersecurity uh, compliance for small and medium-sized enterprises. And so um, along that line, uh, some of you may be familiar, there's a organization called NIST in North America, uh, which they have put out a cybersecurity framework. And again, it's guidelines, it's guidance. Um, in Australia, that we have the essential eight. Um, it's the same thing. It's a framework, it's guidelines 
for organizations to try to minimize their risk? How do I start doing risk management? How do I reduce my risk profile? Um, NIST is then uh, related to ISO 27001, but the difference is NIST is a framework. You can do it or not do it. The pieces, you can pick the pieces you want or that are relevant to your business or that you can handle within the size of your organization. And that's where Safehouse is trying to help put that into bite-sized pieces so it's easier to digest and figure out what you can or can't do and what you should or shouldn't do. But then ISO is a certification. A certification requires an external audit. It's a very different process. If people want to learn more about this Safehouse initiative, where can they find out more? Uh, they actually, they're, they're on Spotify. So if you go and look for the Safehouse initiative on Spotify, you'll find their podcast. Uh, and from there, there's links to their website, et cetera. Uh, but that's what they're trying to do is, again, just like you are, let's talk about it. Keep it yeah. simple. Put it in a format that people, uh, one, it's a little more entertaining, hopefully, but also in, in a format that's easier to digest. So you, you mentioned, um, you know, bite-sized chunks and frameworks. And, you know, you 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 take, you know, what you like from best practice about what applies to your business. But when it comes to standards, and you mentioned 27,000, um, that's a bit more structured. And, uh, you know, you, you have to meet the requirements of the standard. So um, what, what do you think ITAM brings to the table there in terms of, there's going to be a lot of companies out there that are listening that are having to do 27,000, almost like it's a it's an industry requirement sometimes. So what can ITAM bring to the table there? Um, a great question. Uh, so just quickly, uh, ISO 27001 is a set of policies for information security. Okay. And so it's the, the whole uh, quantifying qualifying and documenting how you handle your information security. And you know the key parts that I think relate to ITAM is number one, you've got to have an inventory of assets. Now those assets are physical and virtual. So it's your hardware and your software because when you're talking about information security, it's it, ISO 27001 can be very daunting for a software development company, because you have to document how you develop your software. If you're using code from third-party sources, you have to uh, have a, a whole sourcing policy, et cetera. But if you're not a software developer, information security is about how do you maintain that information? So this is your personal data. This is your, your business data, You know your operational processes, the software keys that you have. How are you safeguarding those when, before you issue them? Or once they're issued, how are there, you tracking them? So inventory of assets, physical, you know, hardware and software, uh, tracking the ownership of those assets, both hardware and software, acceptable use policies for those assets. I mean, doesn't that sound like ITAM to you? Yeah, and, and just as you're talking, James, it reminds me of uh, the sort of analogy that pops in my head is, it's almost like two detectives sat down to compare notes isn't it you know we're both we're both pushing in the same direction uh and it's like well what do you know and i'll share what i know and together we'll get stronger together by sharing notes and it's uh, although um you know security ops teams and itam have got very different motives and very different objectives um it's it's a fantastic collaboration 
absolutely agree. And, and that's it comes back to um, one of the, the founding principles of ITAM is best practice. What is best practice in managing your hardware, your software? By, by determining best practice and, and implementing best practice, you improve your operational efficiency, you reduce cost within the business, and you then are leading towards compliance. And you know, whether it is a software audit, um, a, a hardware audit, whatever, you, you know, it's, and so that's what ITAM has been going that direction. Now, guess what? Compliance is essential for cybersecurity, for risk management, because if you're not compliant, that's when you start to have holes in your cybersecurity uh, protection, your attack surface management. You can't, you can't protect an attack surface if you don't know what the attack surface is. Right. And so you mentioned um, best practice and, you know, there's smart things that people can do and there's things that corporate, you know, projects, you know, kick off and initiate. But on the flip side, there's also there's um regulatory you know there's legislation coming down the pipe or already in place that actually drives behavior too that says you know you have to do this so can you can you share what's what's coming down the pipe for 2024 that we need to be aware of um you know that, that's on your radar what 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 big things are happening in that space in terms of things that are going to change the industry um well, I mean, one of the big ones for the EU is NIS2. And, and so just going back, NIST is a framework. Um, SOC2 is a uh, self-certification. So it's not a third-party audit. Uh, ISO 27001 is a certification. And then what you have is legislation or regulation. And as we know, the hackers are the fastest. Uh, the, the, the next step behind them is all the vendors who are then putting out the patches as quickly as they possibly can to, to stop the vulnerabilities that the hackers find. And it's always government legislation that, that lags behind because they don't get involved until, oops, um, you know, there was a pipeline in Texas that got hacked um, you know, there, when the electricity network goes down. Uh, so that's where now government legislation is is recognizing the severity of cybersecurity risk and saying, okay, we've got to have some laws. So NIS2 is the EU-wide cybersecurity legislation. And um, it, it has different sections. Um, you know, it, it starts with uh, you know, infrastructure, but it applies all the way down to organizations that do business in the EU. So, um, if your organization is not established in the EU, but offers services within the EU, NIS2 still applies to you under the same rules as an EU company. So you've got to pay attention to what's going on. Government legislation in countries around the world, if you do business there, Singapore has just put in cybersecurity legislation. Um, Australia has the Essential 8, which is a framework. And they have a government agency that's working on cybersecurity legislation for Australia. So anywhere in the world, as part of your global business, if you trade there, you better know what their cybersecurity legislation is, and you better have some sort of procedures policies in place 
that align with that. And again, if you're ISO 27001 certified, you've already made a huge step in that direction. Checking the delta and managing the delta becomes much easier. So just out of interest, um, James, how do you uh, how do you keep abreast of all of this stuff going on in the security world? Is it your own network? Is it where where do you go for news and information around security? Um, I'm, I'm, I'll be honest. I'm subscribed to a whole bunch of different feeds, um, and it's it's you know just tracking uh, industry uh, information. Um, even you know I've got uh, Flipboard. And I've got it set to every security thing there is out there. Um, it's it, it's just aggregating data, and and trying to filter through the noise and, and figure out because uh, so much of it is common or repetitive. Um, there there's a lot of noise out there. Uh, I, I mentioned this at the ITAM forum that uh, the essential eight for Australia is about cybersecurity. Um, management of all your IT assets and all your networks. Um, and then one of the vendors says that, yeah, it's managing all your Microsoft networks. I'm like, ooh, okay, that might leave a bit of a hole. So it, it is just uh, a personal uh, process of aggregating information and trying to connect the dots. Cool. And we'll share your LinkedIn profile for people so they can follow you and, and uh, see your insights as well. James, it's been fascinating to talk to you. Uh, thank you for supporting us at the Melbourne conference and um, look forward to seeing you at future conferences, hopefully. Excellent. Thank you. And uh, it was great to, to finally be able to meet you. And I appreciate the chance to talk about this. Uh, absolutely. If anyone wants to reach out, I will always try to help. Um, it's, you know, this is this is part of helping ITAM and helping Safe House. Uh, it's not a sales agenda in any way. Thank you so much.